So good to see each of you here. We want to welcome you again to Southwoods Christian Church. My name is Lori. I'm Pastor Greg's wife, and uh, some of you know that Greg had to leave and go out of town. One of his cousins passed away, and so he's spending some time with his family and extended family to be with them today. And so we appreciate your prayers for him and his family and for him as he travels. And we want to say uh, welcome to you who are visiting. I see some faces, friends, and it's that holiday weekend, isn't it? Actually, last week we sort of celebrated July 4th here at Southwoods, but we're continuing to celebrate July 4th this weekend. And I hope that you had a good holiday week. hope maybe you got to take a little bit of a break from the regular routine and to uh, thank God for our great country and to seek his uh, prayer and provision, seek his uh, provision for us and ask his blessings for us. So it's good to see you today and we're glad that you're back. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about this idea of a saying that probably you've heard before and the saying is, good things come to those who wait. It was kind of a weak response. Good things come to those who, yeah, and I know why it's weak, because do you like to wait? I don't think there's a single one of us that says, I just love waiting. And uh, are you good at waiting? Uh, maybe you're better than you used to be because you've had some practice, but most of us are not that good at waiting. I remember several years ago when I was uh, helping in children's ministry, uh, we called it Celebration Station back then, and we'd gathered together after a large group and we had some second grade girls and we'd all gathered on the floor and I was helping lead a small group with my friend Kevin. And Kevin started in on a story and he said, you know guys, when I was in college, I had a job and my job was a waiter. And immediately, his, his daughter, who was in the group, which is always kind of sometimes the worst when your own kid is in your group, she got this weird look on her face. And she looked up and she interrupted Daddy and she said, I'm sure, Daddy, that you hated that job because you are horrible at waiting. <laughs> He never really finished much of the group because he was just like, ah, you're right. And I think a lot of us are terrible at waiting. We're horrible at waiting, just like this little girl said. I've noticed that we try to get around the waiting game, and so we weave through traffic when 69 Highway is all backed up to one lane. We weave through, we try to do whatever we can to get a shortcut. When the light is red, sometimes you're allowed to turn right right on red, and sometimes you're not supposed to turn right on red, like up here, up here, but sometimes, oh my goodness, we do. Sometimes we turn right on red, even when it's not permitted. I've noticed that we complain when the internet is slow and it's doing that thing, it just goes round and round. We're likely to complain because we don't want to wait, right? We're likely to complain when the cell coverage is weak. Greg and I have just spent some time in the mountains and often that happens. The cell coverage is weak and we complain. And just last week, I have to tell you, I was disappointed when I ordered a book on Amazon. Are you familiar with Amazon? And Amazon said, in one day, Lori, you'll have your book. But guess what? It took two. And I was disappointed. I have to confess, I was like, what? I have to wait a whole nother day for my book to be delivered to my front door by somebody who went and got it and saved me the trip of having to do that. We don't like to wait on anything. We usually don't like to wait on anyone. And sometimes that translates into our spiritual lives as well. We don't like to wait on God. And have you noticed that sometimes when we're in a hurry about something, God isn't. <laughs> He's not in a hurry sometimes at all. 
And so sometimes what happens to us as believers is that we can fall into what I call a pitfall of the waiting game. And that is, as believers, when our prayers are not answered quickly, or our prayers are not answered in the way that we'd hoped that they would be, or sometimes when our prayers just seem to be unanswered, we can become discouraged. We can become discouraged in our faith. We can become disappointed in our prayers. We can become, I've seen, even angry. Angry with God, angry with others. Some of us become kind of bitter. Others of us get kind of cynical and sarcastic. And I've even seen folks who have grown so weary in their waiting that they've even walked away from their relationship with God altogether. And sadly, I've wondered over the years, why does this happen, God? And how can we, as a church and as friends and as fellow believers, how can we help folks when they're in the waiting room of life, the many waiting rooms of life? I do believe it's made worse by this culture that we live in. And I think it's only getting worse, at least it has in my lifetime. Partly it's because of this technologically advanced world. It's taught us, and every single day it reinforces it, that waiting is not something you should have to do. I mean, I was just thinking about it this week. I love to take pictures. I always have loved to take pictures. I used to take them and actually go to a dark room and develop them, you know, because I didn't want to wait on somebody else to develop them. But these days, we take pictures instantly. We see them. And in a matter of seconds, I can share them with my friends all around the world, just like that. We, we quickly learned that, that email is much, much faster than the United States Postal Service. It just, it just is. I've learned that texting is more efficient than a telephone call. I can say what I need to say, I can interrupt you, <laughs> and you'll listen and look at it, and you'll get right back to me usually. Even the crock pot, the beloved appliance of my generation, I have several crock pots, known for what? Slow cooking, has now been replaced by what? The instant pot, the express pot. And what, how does it work? Pressure, <laughs> pressure cooking. And now, even from our cell phones to our crock pots, every single day, we're reminded by this message that it's not good to wait. Options should not, uh, waiting should not be an option. And if you are waiting, I've even sometimes felt, there must be something wrong with me. Other people aren't waiting. Waiting might even be a waste of time. Have you heard that message? Have you felt that message in our culture? Have you seen it? We live with it every single day. And yet, how contrary is that to what the Bible says? I mean, again and again and again throughout Scripture, it's sprinkled. Actually, the Bible is almost flooded with words that encourage us and commend us and show us how to wait and how to do it well. Listen to the psalmist. He says these kinds of words in Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I have put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Another time he says in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And he says it again. And wait for the Lord. Another time, he says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him 
to act. Another time, the writer of Lamentations says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to the soul who seeks him. Another time, Micah says in the last book of the Bible, as for me, I look to the Lord for my help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. These verses and many others, honestly, we could take just this morning to highlight verses that talk about waiting and how good it is for us. They really are the foundational threads, if you will, that are woven through the fabric of the faithful. Those men and women in recent history, you know many of them, you've read of them, many of you have spent time with them, who learned through the faithful fabrics of scripture that I sometimes need to wait and that in waiting I sometimes can grow. These are men and women who have trained themselves to not grow weary in waiting. I wish we had time today to just look at every single one of the examples in the Bible of these people. I'll just remind you, because maybe later this summer you'd like to look at some of these examples. Abraham and Sarah, how long did they wait for that son Isaac? 25 years. 25 years. And they had rearranged their lives completely around this promise. Joseph. We know Joseph's story. The Bible tells us that he waited for more than a decade in prison, falsely accused for a crime he didn't commit. More than 10 years of his life in prison. Moses, one of the great waiters, waited for 40 years for that bush to burn and speak to him. And then, after he went back, let my people go, he waited 40 more years as he wandered in the wilderness with these folks, learning and disciplining and you know, becoming more faithful before he ever even got to go to the promised land with them. Hannah waited year after year after year for a child. And finally Samuel was born. And what did she do? She gave him back to the Lord. She dedicated him to ministry. Of course we know about Job, right? We know Job. He was this amazing man that after losing everything, he waited patiently for God to rebuild his life. And if you go to the New Testament, Paul and many of the disciples waited in places like prisons. They experienced severe hardship, and they most of them all died a martyr's death. They experienced hardship in the midst of life. They were waiting. They were waiting. They weren't perfect, but they put their trust in the Lord, and they provide for us these wonderful examples of how we can learn to not grow weary in the waiting game. And like these folks, a lot of us have entered into these waiting rooms of life, haven't we? Some of us are waiting on healing. We've been praying and asking God to heal and to bring hope. Others of us are waiting on a job or a better job or financial relief. Some of us have been waiting for a spouse you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, someone that we can spend our life with. Or maybe in your family you've waited on a child or a grandchild and you've continued to pray and ask God for that. Maybe some of you are waiting for a project to be completed and you've asked the Lord to help you with that. Others of us are waiting for a prodigal to come home. Maybe some of you are waiting for an emotional healing, something for that goes way back some words that were spoken over you or something that happened and it's, you know, it's wounded you deeply. 
And just about the time you get it to heal, something happens and that Band-Aid is ripped off. And you're waiting for that healing to be complete. Maybe you're waiting for a worry <laughs> to be removed. You keep taking it to the Lord, but it's still there, waiting. All of us have lived, and maybe some of us are still living in the waiting rooms of life. And today I want to remind you that it really is true that good things come to those who wait. That's not really a biblical saying, but there are biblical ideas that reinforce that. And today I want to remind you that whether you look at the Old Testament or you look at the New Testament, you can see at least four gifts, at least four gifts that come to those of us who wait and those of us who wait well. Now, they might not be the gifts that you're exactly thinking of or longing for or expecting, but they are, in fact, gifts that God gives to us in the midst of these waiting rooms of life. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, or follow along on the screen or pull up your phone or grab a Bible off of the shelf in front of you. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. You're familiar with this passage of scripture. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes, When we run into problems, and the first thing I always note there is the when, not the if, but when we run into problems and trials, he says, we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And so the first gift that we see here is maybe not one that you want, but it's the gift of endurance. We're familiar with endurance races, aren't we? We run a long time, a long way, and a lot of you are really good at that. And what is endurance? Endurance is the ability to stand up under pressure. Endurance is perseverance. Endurance is patience. Endurance is stability. But really at the heart of endurance is this ability to stand up. I know sometimes when I've gone through some difficult times and people will come to me and they'll say, Lori, how are you? And honestly, sometimes I want to, you know, as the preacher's wife, I want to give you a really beautiful verse. I want to give you a nice poem. I want to give you something that's just going to go, wow, she's doing okay. And sometimes the only thing I can say is I'm still standing. And then I think later, boy, that was probably not very encouraging. Yeah, we can see you're standing. No, but it is. Because what is endurance? Endurance is just the ability to stand up under pressure. And some of you who have been in difficult waiting rooms know that sometimes just getting up and standing and moving forward and continuing to do what you know you need to do and what God has called you to do, sometimes that is just all you can do. That's endurance. Keep standing. Paul writes in another place about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says these words. He says, we think you ought to know brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through. It's like a missionary report. We've had some missionaries here this summer, and they share with us a little bit about what's going on in their missions. And that's what he's doing here. He says, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about some of the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Beyond my ability to endure. Then he goes on to describe it. He says, and we thought we might not even live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But he says, as a result of this really difficult time, look what happened. 
As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God, who, by the way, raises the dead. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? This is a very vulnerable statement for Paul. I mean, I'm sure he wanted to come back and say, man, we were in the province of Asia and we had a lot of baptisms. I preached a lot of sermons. Everything went well, good offerings. Man, it was great. That's what most missionaries want to say and that's what most churches want to hear. But he had to say, man, we were crushed. We were depleted. We, we didn't even know if we would get out of there alive. But here's the good thing. He said, as a result of that really difficult spot, we learned. We learned how to endure. We learned how to rely not so much just on ourselves and our own ability, but to trust in God who has endless, endless supplies and who is so resourceful in our lives. Paul received this gift of endurance. And my question for you today is what about you? Will you receive it? It's a gift. <laughs> Maybe again, a gift that you're like, eh, rather not. But it really truly is a gift to be able to stand under pressure and to receive the gift of endurance. Paul goes on then to describe the second gift that comes in the waiting room of life. And he says, Romans chapter five again, when we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us to develop endurance, number one. And endurance, actually, develops strength of character. Isn't it interesting that one gift, it is a gift that keeps on giving, one gift gives another gift, the gift of strength of character. Now, you know in the Bible, the character often, <clears throat> excuse me, refers to something that's tested. It refers to something that's proven, something that is reliable. I'm showing my age here, but back in 1971, there was a commercial. Some of you might remember it. It was by American Tourister Luggage. And they had this commercial where they took this piece of luggage and they handed it to a gorilla, a gorilla in a cage who was hungry and caged. And they gave him the, the tourister, the American tourist, they gave him a piece of luggage and he just threw that thing all around. He threw it up, he threw it down. You can Google it and see it. The commercial is still on there. He threw it up, he threw it down, he jumped on it. He was trying to get in it. He was just beating it to death. And what was the point of the commercial? You know, if your, our luggage can, can make it through this test of a gorilla. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make it through whatever you've got in mind, wherever you're going. It's going to make it through the test. It was proven. It was proven to be good. In a similar way, the Bible speaks of character as gold or silver that has been purified by fire. Gold and silver are heated up. They are tested. Peter writes about it, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Follow along with me. He says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure, see that first word, you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. It's the real deal. It is being tested by fire. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It's true. When you heat up gold or you heat up silver, the impurities rise to the top. 
They're skimmed away. I once heard it said that a silversmith was asked, how do you know when the silver is pure? And he replied, I just keep skimming and skimming and skimming until I can see my reflection. Then I know that it's pure. Isn't that interesting? That so much of life is about how we skim away, we're burned, we're, we're tested by fire. So that why? We can reflect the image of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. That's what the Christian life is all about. So Paul writes about this idea of character. Peter writes about this idea of endurance helping us build character. Even James writes about it. These are the opening words in his book, practically. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, gift number one. So let it grow, because when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that the idea of a good character? The apostles enjoyed writing to us <laughs> about the gifts that come in the midst of difficulty. Gift number one, endurance. And endurance, when it has an opportunity to grow in our lives, it produces this godly character, a reflecting nature that reflects the nature of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what about you? Will you receive it? Again, it maybe isn't the thing that you're wanting today when I say good things come to those that wait. But godly character is a gift that comes through the testing of our faith, through the testing of the waiting room. Paul continues with a third gift. Look again, back to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. When we run into troubles, problems, and trials, we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance helps us to develop strength of character, and character, he says, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Third gift, the gift of confident hope. Isn't it interesting that during difficult times, you don't usually hear people say, I am hopeful. Usually they feel hopeless, right? That's just the natural way of going. But Paul reminds us that endurance leads to godly character. Godly character leads to an improved character that will help increase our hope. And the reason I believe this happens is because our perspective changes. It changes. All the time here at Southwoods, we sing this song. It's an old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. What's that about? What's that song about? Well, it's about building hope on something more than what we just see in life. If our hope is built only on the things that we see and the things that are around us, we will become hopeless. But if our hope is built on more, right? than just what we see, there is hope. Paul writes about it another way, another time. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, familiar passage of scripture to many of you. He says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits, he says, are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory 
that vast outweighs them all and will last forever. So here's the perspective change. Look what he says. We don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our eyes, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Isn't it amazing? It's an amazing perspective. I've heard it said that when we go through difficulties, we can face them with resentment or we can face them with gratitude. When we go through difficult times, we can complain or we can rejoice. When we go through difficult times, we can worry or we can worship in the midst of them. When we go through difficult times, we can be self-dependent or we can enter into self-surrender like Paul teaches. When we go through difficult times, we can face them with a lot of fear or we can face them with a lot of faith. Also, you've heard it say that, said that people say, I can go through this and I can become very, very bitter. Or I can go through this and say, I'm going to try to become better. Right? And like the first problem that I described, instead of in the midst of difficult times running away from God, we can be people who run toward God in the midst of these difficult times. And so I ask you the third question. What about this gift, confident hope? Would you like to receive it? And I bet the answer there is yes. But did you notice the confident hope comes after endurance and after a new improved character? And then that results in a new confident hope. And finally today, we could go on actually looking through scripture and see all kinds of gifts that are given to us in the midst of difficulty through the Holy Spirit. But today I want to highlight one more, and that comes to us from the Old Testament. Probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture that you know from the Old Testament. And this is the gift of renewed strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord, what will they find? New strength. They will find new strength. And then Isaiah describes it. He says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And it's as if Isaiah is here saying, you know, friends, when you are waiting on the Lord, and I know that you are in the waiting rooms of life, not only can you receive endurance and godly character and confident hope, but above it and beyond it, and on either side of it is this idea of renewed strength. It's a strength unlike anything that we could find on a human level. I know we sing this song with the radio, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And to a certain degree, that's true, right? But this is the kind of strength that is supernatural in nature. Look how he describes it. He says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. If you turn it around, it's the design, it's this type of strength that is designed to help you walk without fainting. It's a kind of strength that's designed to help you run even when you're weary. It's the kind of supernatural strength that goes beyond the circumstances of today and helps you rise above them like an eagle and to soar. Have you ever seen an eagle soar? Have you? 
recently, often, Greg and I do. When we're like on our camping trips, we get far away into the wilderness that I guess that's where the eagles are. And not too long ago, we were at a lake and we saw a storm coming and all the birds, they have this chatter. You know, they're telling, they're like the meteorologists, I think. And they're telling one another, the storm is coming, the storm is coming. And I even noticed some of the birds were like heading into the trees and finding safety in the nests. But what about the eagle? <laughs> I looked up into the clouds and there I saw an eagle. Honestly, in the midst of the storm, but yet kind of above. It was almost as if he was saying, what are you guys talking about? This is the best time to fly. This is the best time to soar. And he was. He was enjoying the winds of the day. He was soaring on eagle's wings. And Isaiah says for us, those that wait on the Lord, you can walk without fainting. You can run without growing weary. You might even be able to come above it all and be able to soar on wings like eagles. And so friends, this morning, you might be wondering, is this just a spiritual kind of strength? Is Lori just kind of all amped up because it's a spiritual kind of verse? And it is, because this is supernatural strength that comes from the Lord. But I've lived long enough and I've seen enough, and I've been in the waiting rooms of life enough to know that it's not just some sort of spiritual weird kind of thing that you might think. I've seen strength, renewed strength, not only come to our spirits, but to our relationships. I've seen renewed strength come to our emotions, to difficulties in our mind and in our heart, and to see the Lord heal and give strength and give a sound mind to a person that was experiencing anxiety. I have seen it come physically, physically, like I said earlier, the ability to stand or the ability to go beyond even what doctors have said you'll never be able to do. The renewed strength is spiritual, yes, but it's designed also for our relationships. It's designed also for our emotions. It's designed also for our physical bodies. It's designed to be infused in every single aspect of our lives. Isaiah 40 gives a beautiful but complete description of the blessings available to those who do what? Wait. He starts by saying, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And so friends, I don't know what waiting room you're in today. I know the waiting rooms I've been in. I know the waiting rooms that I am in. But I have this image that comes out of Revelation chapter 3 of our Lord and Savior. And what does it say there? It says, I stand at the door and I knock. Let me in. Can I come in? Today I want to just encourage you to think about that image and to say, Lord, I'm in this waiting room, waiting for this. I've been praying about that. I've been asking this. We just keep. Oh, yeah. I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to invite you in. Many times I've had surgery over the years. And a lot of times I wake up from my surgery and I'll say, Greg will be there and our family will be there. And I'll say, how was, uh, how was your waiting time? Oh, it was fine. Because so-and-so came. 
or so-and-so came, or so-and-so came. We had this conversation, they got me some coffee, they got me a hamburger. Well, it was okay while we were waiting. And I'm always so grateful to hear that someone was there with my loved ones waiting, you know, during that surgery or during that difficult time. How much more, how much more to have the Son of God waiting with you in the midst of these rooms. Jesus says, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. I know you're in the waiting room. I know you're in the midst of a difficult time. I just come on in. I just come on in. And by the way, I've got something to eat. That's what he says. <laughs> Let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let's spend some time together. So friends, today, what about you? In the midst of the waiting rooms of life, will you receive these gifts? Because good things really do come to those who wait. Will you receive the gift of endurance, the ability to stand under pressure? Will you receive the gift of a godly character that's been refined by fire? It's been turned up, the heat. But your character is better than it was before. Will you receive the gift of confident hope that says, I'm not going to just look at what's happening now. I'm going to fix my eyes on what can happen. I'm going to fix my eyes on what will happen. I'm going to fix my eyes on what God can do. Confident hope. And in it and above it and on either side of it and all the way through it is this beautiful picture of Isaiah chapter 40 that says, those who wait will receive and renewed kind of strength, a strength that's available for every aspect of your life, spiritual, physical, relational, emotional. The Lord is standing at the door, and he's asking you to invite him in to your life and to the waiting rooms so that he can wait with you. Let's stand together, and we're going to pray this morning. I do want to remind you to come eat with us. Our student ministry and our children's ministry have prepared a fiesta, and they are waiting for you to come on up to the student center and enjoy some food. They have plenty, so even if you didn't bring something, that's just fine. And as we uh, pray, I also want to draw you to draw your attention to one more passage of scripture. Again, the, the Bible is so full of scriptures on this subject that it's hard for me to, to to not just share them all with you. But one more that I know you know, and I know that you love. Look at it with me. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3. This is the psalmist. This is David. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. And then listen to this description. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Let's be counted among those many. Let's be counted among those who can say, I put my trust in the Lord our God. Let's pray. Our Father, again, we thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity to gather here in our nation that is free to worship you, to open our Bible, to study, to pray, to sing, to worship, to fellowship one with another. And so we give praise for this nation, ask that you'd continue to bless it, that you'd show us mercy, that you'd intervene. 
And I also pray, Lord, as we think about this subject, that you'd just help us. So many of us are in these waiting rooms. We've been in and out of them sometimes, and they're difficult, but we know that you know. We know that you see. We know that you care. And this morning, I pray that as we uh, are in the waiting room and as we move through the waiting room, that we'd invite you to be there, that you would help us to stand, that you'd help us to receive these gifts so that we might give you praise, whether we get out of the waiting room or we stay there for the rest of our lives, Lord. We invite you to be with us in the midst of it. And we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise that is due to you because you are God and because your son Jesus Christ has given his life for us. And so we come and we pray and we ask for your strength and encouragement. Help us to encourage one another as well as we go through life. Thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray all these things. And everybody said with me, amen. Thanks for coming. <laughs>